I, I want to be held accountable for what I'm doing. You know, this may sound like an, an exaggeration, but it was like the 9-11 of my career and certainly of making kombucha. Jesus is smart. This idea of income inequality, that always strikes me as a very, it's a deceptive term, income inequality. Well, let's flip it around. It comes from outcome inequality. In five, four, three. I got the loot, Steve. Hello, and welcome to Jay Leno's Garage. <laughs> Today we're looking at the Ford Taurus G93A, which was made by Ford Germany. It's unique amongst Ford vehicles because it's the only one that was made with slave labor. <laughs> Using people from the Eastern Front. Hi, welcome to Grubstakers. I'm Andy Palmer. <laughs> I'm Yogi Pyle. Steve Jeffries. I'm Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Jay Leno here in the, the studio. Uh, how's, how's it going, Jay? Good. I'm just reading about Terry Hatcher. Oh, really, huh? And yeah. uh, Terry. Andersley here. That's all. <laughs> For some reason, my Jay Leno impression is just him saying Terry Hatcher. That's all I remember. <laughs> I think that might actually be from 30 Rock. I think, I think doing, you're right about yeah. that. I think a real Jay Leno impression is saying Monica Lewinsky a whole bunch. You know? Yeah. Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky is Michael a Jackson. <laughs> Man, they missed Sean already on the show. Unfortunately, Sean McCarthy can't join us. Well, he could join us, but we told him that he can't talk the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you might hear him off mic occasionally because we've uh, gagged and bound him because for the Ford <laughs> episode, that's how they make their cars these days. <laughs> <laughs> By bounding and gagging Sean's? Yeah. 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 Just Irish people in general. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in, in, in honor of Ford, we're marginalizing the Irish. Yeah? Uh, yeah. As a stand-in for the Jews. Right. Right. I, I think he used a lot of us, right? Probably. The Irish? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was, he was part Irish. Or no, his dad was Irish by way of England, so I guess he was of English descent. Yeah. Now he's big into Italians, right? Who isn't these days? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he had kind of the hierarchy, right? It was like, these people are good workers, right, right. I'm a good manager, and then Jews are good for nothing. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. They're, in the eyes of Ford, good for under, undermining the American worker and starting World War I. Um, more on that later. So, yeah, we, uh, we got Anders Lee, and uh, we are talking... Henry Ford, the uh, the great industrialist of the 20th century. Now, he made Chevy? That's what he did? Yes, yes. He made uh, Chevy and Toyota. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Yeah. Good brands. He, Upstanding gentleman, if you ask me. <laughs> he actually invented ISIS. <laughs> that's, uh, no, he made 4D cars, because that's what mm-hmm. you know Ford was yes. supposed to be, was 4D. So he th- saw beyond mm-hmm. the current three-dimensional automobile to a whole other... That was actually his family's original name, and then it was anglicized to Ford at Ellis Island. (laughs) They were sort of like cyber people from England, Ireland. But they kind of had to hide that because cyber people were very frowned upon. (laughs) More than the Irish, They're believed to carry typhus. (laughs) I can't be 4D in the United States. I can only do it in the home country. (laughs) That's what the Celtic language is. It's 4D. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes no sense right. because it's a whole nother. It's yeah. a galaxy yeah. beyond us. Hypercubes, go home. <laughs> it's like the Jodie Foster contact. The maps doesn't make sense, but if you look at it and you merge them together, like the Celtic language, right. that's when it all comes together. Dude, con- we could do a whole thing about contact. Dude, I love Jodie Foster's contact. It's is it's it- fascinating to watch that back to back with uh, what's the what's the newer one where it's like. A similar concept. It's a. It's it's Matthew McConaughey again, isn't it? It's. Uh, are you talking about uh, the the one he made in space, where it's all about time and shit? No, it's it's um, similar to that. It's, it's it the, starring... langu- the language one. Yes. What are um, oh, Arrival. Arrival. Right. Yeah, right. Amy yes. Adams. Yeah. Amy Adams. Yeah. 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 It's a. It's they're kind of like. Yeah. That nine. It's such an interesting contrast because the nineties, like U.S. contact, is all about like the U.S. saving the day. Right. Right. They, they use the Clinton administration like let them use the White House and White House clips to yep. like make it look like there was a an alien you know, touching down. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Wait, there was no alien touching down in contact? Contact? Or a, I, I, an alien, you know, making contact. No, but, but in, in contact, they do have a lot of like the U.S. government is working with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey's team and the entire 
you know, thing is about like faith based. Like, can we send someone right. to space that doesn't believe in God? Yeah, yeah. And right, McConaughey's right. like, mm-hmm. I believe in God. Oh, all right, all right. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's one of the few movies where he wears a shirt the entire time. And I, I gotta say, it's pretty good. It's, <laughs> right. It's like that in Amistad. I think so that's why it was a, a <laughs> financial failure, though. <laughs> but, well, that's but that's an interesting thing. Is because that it was '90s. It was post Cold War. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. End of history. Like we just we have we just have these philosophical questions to right. grip with about right. faith and intergalactic stuff. And then fast forward to arrival, right. and it's like China is you know yep. we don't th- yep. this this is going to be a, a a fucking huge thing to deal with with international yep. affairs. We have computing hegemons. It's all about language and right. talking it's to language, each other. And we're yeah. scared that yep. fucking everyone's going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's that's actually my uh, the my interpretation of Independence Day is right. kind of the end of history thing where they're like we've got this giant military. That serves no apparent purpose. Right, right. What is the only time we would use it? A massive alien invasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, ju- yeah, it's just justifying the Pentagon budget. Yeah. I don't know. I think Interstellar is more like Contact than Arrival. But I do see what you're saying because with Contact, there's the whole like she has a kid, has a CB radio, and her dad dies, and she's trying to contact the aliens, but she's really trying to talk to her dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then she finally well, does, but he's fake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The, it's the alien. It's like that South Park uh, taco poop and ice cream thing where that's the interpretation of the alien that they can accept. Uh, so in contact, it's her dad. <laughs> that's the entire idea of the, the, the movie. And the cliffhanger is she didn't go through space at all. She just fell through it. But the recording recorded 45 minutes in 13 seconds. Bum, 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 bum. Ooh. I like contact a lot. Uh, I saw it at the right age. She was uh, just on MDMA. Yeah. That's right. What happened. right exactly, yeah. <laughs> she rubbed a lot of aliens. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like, wow, these people like to lick us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So Henry Ford, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, for those of you who don't know, he made some cars um, and got pretty he called rich them machines, that. though. All right. He called them machines? Yeah, he didn't even call them cars. He was like, this is a machine. <laughs> he was the enemy of John Henry. Yeah. Um, he was born... Let's do some bio. Yeah. You guys want some bio? Let's, oh, get yeah. into it. Let's do some Got bio. Some. He was born in 1863 in Greenfield Township, Michigan. Uh, he grew up on a farm, and his parents were farmers, though he hated farm work. Hmm. And so uh, then when he was 13, his mom died, and that kind of fucked him up. And then his dad gave him a watch, and he would obsessively uh, take it apart and put it back together. And then he only got an eighth grade education, and in 1879, when he was 18, he left home for Detroit to become a machinist uh, and uh, had several odd jobs, occasionally coming home to work on the farm where he learned to operate a steam engine. He, he was really like his dad recognized that he was uh, really into uh, machines and working on machines. And um, I don't know he would put together his watch. That's very interesting. Sometimes yeah. billionaires have a very, uh, I mean, well, rich people in general have like a watch obsession that they happen. Yeah. And sometimes it yeah. comes from like fathers giving sons watches often. Right. Yeah. But it's usually a way of showing how much money you have. It's right. not showing how, you know, crafty you are for making your own watch. It's yeah. Like you right. buy it from some, you know, fancy person. Right. Well, in this case, he was actually fairly poor. Like he, he does yeah. have an actual rags to riches story. And that's about after he turns like, 34 he stops being a sympathetic figure mm-hmm. um but <laughs> well that's what happens to 34 year olds i mean yeah. come on you know after that who gives a fuck about him but yeah until then he's he, he's kind of like um an interesting guy he uh he marries in 1988 and then waits about uh five years to uh nut and his wife uh at which point they have uh one son edsel ford and then he never nuts in her again oh um you can't. You can't confirm that. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know if he nutted her. He only bangs the, to procreate. This is the 19th century. Like, I don't know, how, man. They could have done anal. You don't know. That's true. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, he was very like, uh, very obsessed with old timey values. But on the other hand, those people are freaks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Not that if you you're a freak if you do anal. But we also don't. I mean, maybe they didn't have sex. Maybe he put his thing, stuff in a tube and. You know, well, this, 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 he was an engineer. Right. Maybe the, he engineered 4D, like some you know, sort of funnel some, yes. that he would yes. masturbate into. Right. As I said, he only nutted in her once. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say he only nutted in her uh, vagina whilst she was ovulating. Oh, you, wait. Yeah. We know this on the record that Maybe they, never. they had. Tra- that did they? What position they had, and that, that they definitely had intercourse. I mean, I'm sure they That's had missionary because he was pretty religious. Um, but I mean, they had enough sex to have one child and no more. I'm and this just is saying, when people had like eight children because 
they like nine of them would die. Yeah, I'm just saying it's you know not inconceivable that there was a Rube Goldberg style right. machine that Definitely. he nutted into and it went you know yeah. around yeah. the house and into the other room into her. Since he loved to build them, right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, you jizz into a micro wonder wheel and it yeah. goes around yeah. and it falls on a slide and it goes into another thing. Yeah. He's trying to see his we don't wife know as it... little as possible. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we don't know it didn't happen. You know, he loves machines. Yeah. <laughs> It actually took him five years because, like, <laughs> one of the Dominoes kept getting stuck in the machine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, Margaret, the, the Dominoes. No. Uh, come on. We, we need... the, ver- the version you see on YouTube is always, like, the 58th attempt. <laughs> right, of course, right. He has, like, in his basement, he has a huge V for Vendetta, like, Domino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, the last Domino hits, hits a thing that pours his jizz into the machine. <laughs> In the first iteration, it was more like uh, one of those Nickelodeon slime drops. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came up, he was like, hey, Fordism, how about Fordism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it comes up with it, yeah. 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 All inspiration comes from inspiration. <laughs> like a rug. So, and it's built, <laughs> built Ford tough. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1891, he uh, he caught his first break getting hired as an engineer at the Edison Illuminating Company of Detroit, hmm. and he... Um, they do light bulbs? They do, yeah. They made light bulbs and uh, just, I guess, whatever you know, Edison thought he could get a, a patent from. Illuminating. Yeah. The mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was where Edison recorded um, a muscle man on a swing. Um, <laughs> hey, that's a good video, man. It's got a lot of likes. It, it's voted funny. Um, so this was when he was uh like in his late 20s and uh he had enough money from this to create his own little personal shop and in that shop uh in 1896 he created his first car called the ford quadricycle Hmm. or that's what he named it um a little presumptuous to just stick your name on your uh, little car thing. Uh, just sounds like somebody who really can't ride a bicycle. They need five, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. five wheels. Yeah. yeah. He um, quadricycle, eh? Five yeah. of them. It was made with four bicycle wheels. Or four. You know, and four means... Wait, quad is four. Quad okay. is four, yes. so... <laughs> no, the, the, the quad uh, quintricycle uh, was quintricycle, much less successful. Quintricycle, right. uh, <laughs> cycle. That's what I'm into. <laughs> And essentially, he got the funding to start his own um, car business by just driving this thing around town. And people were in, you know, cars were very rare back then. So people were like, oh, shit, look at look at that guy on his his little thing. But they weren't terrified (laughs) that he was just riding around in this thing. They were like, what is this behemoth? I mean, they've seen. Well, it was pretty small, but they'd seen like steam engines. Oh, okay. And so it wasn't like completely out of the. Uh, um, they didn't think like a train went off the tracks <laughs> right, and right, right, right. ran into them. Well, they were afraid of trains, but they're like, "Oh, this is like smaller and okay." Cute. It was cute. You know, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned that when hot air balloons were coming up in France, they because they weren't using like the smoke it's now they're using black smoke, so people thought they were like smoke monsters. So they'd have to have champagne so that they'd be like, "No, no, we're not a monster. Here's champagne," and that's why they drink champagne every time you take off and land on a hot air balloon. Because it cheated death. That apparently. makes so much sense. That's how they yeah. France got nuclear powers. They were just like, <laughs> "This is really risky. Let's have some champagne." Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, he drove his Ford quadricycle around, and apparently he um, he became friends with a lumber baron named William H. Murphy, uh, who uh, uh, decided to invest in his first car company called the Detroit Automobile Company, mm-hmm. and they. Uh, Created only one model of car, which took a long time to get into production because Ford kept tinkering with it. And uh, they never got around to making a second one, and investors got pissed off and shut down the company. So uh, Ford, who was left kind of high and dry, decided that in order to stay in business, he uh, found this friend, uh, C. Harold Willis, and they designed and built a race car, hmm. which he raced himself in October 1901, and I guess he won. And uh, that got him enough publicity that uh, Murphy... Wait, were there other cars being made then at that point? <laughs> Who's he racing against? Yeah, there were other cars. Okay, all right. Like, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. sure half of them caught on fire. Sure, yeah, of course. In my head, part of was like, I won this race. I set up for myself for this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're the only one competing. The pit I... stop is like two hours. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, yeah. Everything still works. 
he raced a fast Jew. <laughs> Well, he was really running. He almost beat me by a nose. <laughs> you defeated him with the... Uh, even... <laughs> it's funny because like, in videos of Ford, he actually does have the like, ah, well, I was building a car. And he has like old-timey guy voice. Yeah. The transatlantic accent. <laughs> for the, for yeah. the era, probably. That's like the first rich dude sounding voice, you know? Oh, he, again, he was a poor he was a dude. Worker. But, but, they, no, but like the the like they affect it though. Yeah, right. right? The impression uh, of what a rich guy's voice starts with a guy like this. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I mean, obviously aristocratic, like oh, like that is the original rich person royalty type of voice. But the self-made rich person voice is very like mm-hmm. turn well, of the century type of thing. Ford really hated uh, most other rich people, actually, and right. he considered himself like a man of the people. Well, kind of a man of the people, but. Sure in his own insane conception of it. Right, right. Um, sort of the, the uniquely American, like, sort of egalitarian spirit, but uh, it doesn't extend any further than, like, you know, being a dick to other rich people. <laughs> it's just yeah. like your material wealth is excusable because you don't wear, you know, a white after Labor Day or something. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, he wanted like Americans to get back to being like producers, mm. you know. So there's this producers thing that eventually fed into Fordism. Oh, interesting! Like yeah. that whole nationalistic, we can make everything yeah. here type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, never yeah. works. So he, he tried thought, in India for a long time too. He thought he thought America had gotten um, complacent and lazy and stuff. Yeah, he towards the end of and his Jew- life and Jewish. Yeah, I mean, to him, like all other rich people were either Jews or controlled by the Jews. Right. Um, and and towards the end of his life, he went like. He he had real rosebud uh, tendencies where he literally rebuilt his childhood home and would just comb antique dealers to find the original types of furniture that oh, his really? parents oh, had. That's so sad, yeah. Yeah, and even built the desk that he like or like reconstructed the desk that he tinkered with his old watch on. Like that Damn. was how. Um, that's just like Papa John buying back his first car. Yeah, Did you yeah, hear that? yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's. Yeah, it was it was he he got real weird at the end of his life. Um nostalgia's poison. I feel like that oh, level yeah. of nostalgia might not exist nearly as much anymore. Also, people don't remember their childhood homes cuz people move around a lot more, I believe, but like that level of like I'm going to buy my parents their home again type of um well, they were pretty dead at this point. No, I know, but like I'm going to buy <laughs> the things that I I don't know, maybe it's not dying. Maybe I'm I'm projecting that, but I um I I remember in the movie uh, American Gangster, he buys uh, his like mom a dresser that they had when they were kids or something. That's oh, important in the movie. So, like, to, like, yeah, right. like buying your childhood again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge part of what being rich in the last century was definitely all about. Now it's about surviving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so he, uh, let's see, he races a car and uh, William H. Murphy is like, cool, let's start you a new company. They reconfigured Detroit Automobile Company. And um, let's see, it became the Henry Ford Company, and then Murphy brought in an outside consultant, and Ford quit that one, and that oh, became really? that became Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Ford got money from another acquaintance, uh, Alexander Y. Malcolmson, who was a Detroit coal dealer. No idea what that Y stands for, and uh, he founded Ford and Malcolmson Ltd. And they. Uh, Ordered a bunch of parts from the Dodge brothers. Of course, they went on to make Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't pay them. And so uh, move. The after the Dodge brothers got real pissed off, Malcolmson, I guess, got some more investors, convinced the Dodge brothers to become investors in, sure. um, in their new company. And they changed the name to uh, Ford Motor Company, which... Uh, well, he's was, just practicing the art of the deal. That's really what yeah, he's getting yeah. into. Yeah. <laughs> the art of uh, fighting the international Jew. We'll get to that. Um, so yeah, they, uh, renamed it Ford Motor Company and that was founded in 1903. And, uh, once that was founded, they started making cars with, uh, really cool sounding names like Model A, uh, <laughs> Model B, Model C, Ooh, sexy. Model F, uh, Model K. Model Double D. <laughs> uh, they skipped they skip some letters. Yeah, they skipped some letters, uh. Uh, maybe well, they didn't graduate, you know. They, they don't know the whole alphabet. Ford could have been more of an ass man, um, <laughs> so he skipped Model Double D, uh, Model N, Model R, and Model S. And then um, he, I guess, he decided he was done when he got to Model T. 
Uh, oh, that's the one we remember. Yeah, yeah that's that the one we remember. remember. That's the one, the first catchy yeah. one. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Monty. That... Sounds better than A, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's got a better ring to it, even though it was replaced by the Ford Model A, which was different from the other Model A. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they need uh, to they restore the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. They got the end of the alphabet. You don't, <laughs> no one wants to buy the Model yeah. U. Uh, no. He, uh, yeah, so he, uh, they made the Model T, which Ford considered to be the perfect car, and that was kind of what, you know, as Andrew said, the one we remember because it launched Ford into uh, a household name because right. they heavily advertised it. The first one cost uh, $825, which is the equivalent of like 23000 today. Hmm. Um, That's pretty decent. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's yeah, probably about the, the price of like a family car. Yeah, sure. Uh, new. And um, it, was, it was the cheapest on the market. And hmm. uh, Ford, because he, he, when cars were first coming out, like a lot, the drive was to make luxury cars. And that's right, of part course. of why his first couple companies failed because he was very resistant to making luxury cars. Uh, he wanted to make cars to be sold to the people. It's for the people. Yeah. And, um, and so it wasn't until like, I guess the breakthrough of the Model T that he was really able to do it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, people have to get used to the idea of what a car is and the uh, value of spending that much money on a transportation mobile. But mm-hmm. since his inherent hate of rich people made it so that he didn't want to make a luxury vehicle, right. the competition had to get to a point, or the, the, the technology just had to get to a point where the average consumer would consider even buying that much. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. was he in some ways sort of the f- one of the first entrepreneurs to think of mass production in the sense of like instead of just rich people selling stuff to rich people i'm gonna sell it to everybody is yeah. that he was sort of a pioneer in that sense yeah yeah, yeah that okay. that's that's like what most people consider his biggest legacy was yeah. like yeah using mass production right. to um uh to sell to the masses and uh one of his uh it, it, he a lot of people attribute this uh innovation to him in 1913 um but it wasn't his idea necessarily as much as it was like Ford executives all working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the big innovation of Ford in the Ford factory was they realized that in slaughterhouses uh, in modern at the time slaughterhouses, the um, animals would come by, um, you know, on meat hooks on yeah. sort of a conveyor belt right. and each butcher would do like cut off a different part of the animal. And so that was much more efficient to have each butcher do one specific movement and then right. pass it to the next one. And so they realized that they could do that in reverse and just have one, uh, have each worker do one single thing right. yeah. on mm-hmm. a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And that created the uh, Ford production line. And, and just Fordism. be driven yeah. mad through the monotony of <laughs> oh, the yeah. same yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. So rather than having like a room full of like 40 different cars that are just being produced where they, where they sit, they stand. Mm-hmm. And having a few people there just become sort of artisans. Yeah. Like they just have one person who just does one or yeah. a few tasks yep. over and over again on a conveyor belt system. Yeah, Ford perfected uh, alienation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like they're so, I mean, uh, mass production right. had existed for over 100 years prior to Ford right. in England. But what he did oh, was, we it to, okay. yeah, what he did was, I'm going to apply the same principle, but for consumer goods. So right, we, right. We're not producing widgets that other companies use in their factories to produce stuff at a lower scale for mm. consumers. Makes sense. So like, he's like, I'm going to take a car and make it a consumer good that for the average person. And I bet also the process of only one person doing one job makes it so that you don't, like you know, Stephen just said, instead of artisan you know, mechanics that need to be paid top dollar because they know how to do everything you're just yeah, paying you know and stuff. yeah right you're paying a lower wage for more people so to you're do sort more of work. you're engineering the skill out of the process right right exactly and <laughs> so you can um you can speed up how fast the car is going on the production line and you have that sort of control right but otherwise it's pretty much just like a fixed cost for fixed little like you know you just have to hammer in one thing on a car and yeah. then it moves on yeah ford apparently had would say that it would take, you know, 7,000 and some different uh, movements by a worker to create a Model T. And so then he would, like, break them down into, like, what each movement was, mm-hmm. what kind of movement someone mm-hmm. with just one arm could do. Yeah, and like, then reducing the overall number of specific movements right, to take, right. it takes to build a car. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> so is very mechanic mechanistic think thought process yeah. to this. 
and she's you... like fundamentally alienating on lots of different levels. Oh yeah, yeah, but it is kind of like how you know. If you look at how watchmaking is done, each piece individually makes the entire thing function. So mm-hmm. in that same vein, he's just making the process of making something so specifically isolated that no one can potentially mimic it because you would just require a person to learn so much more things than they'd ever have to before. That's and very he's also making each person a cog. Yeah, right, right, precisely. Yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he did pay them five the five dollar day. Yes, he was famous and for that. And was that, that a lot of money at the time? Or just? It was the equivalent of like one thirty today. And actually, that was a direct result of the kind of monotony of the work. Yeah. Because there was massive turnover. Sure, like, of course. There, yeah. there were estimates where if they had to hire 100, or if they needed to fill 100 spots, they would have to hire between like 300 and 1,000 people. And they had to do this without headphones. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was Spotify. You know, fucking psychopathic so. type of oh, yeah. lifestyles. All the, all the way through, like, from this point to the end of Henry Ford's life, it sounds like working in a Ford plant was an absolute nightmare. Actually, uh, um, so they didn't have headphones or Spotify, but they did have sometimes the. Or Tidal. Let's the not shop, ignore yeah, Tidal. You know, <laughs> the, shop, the shop would sometimes pay people to read the newspaper oh, really? on like a loudspeaker or See, something. That's the job I'd want at the Ford factory. <laughs> so like the workers would just pool their money together right. and get one of these assholes. To the read Jews the are at it again. Right. <laughs> that's what I was going to say is I would not be at all surprised if he played like Hitler's speeches translated sure. into English. I mean, that's certainly swept yeah. on the rug at this point. But yeah, yeah, at one point they had it on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put that 44 yeah. back on we like yeah. the sound of the, of the tone yeah, of, I, know, I, I, yeah. I like hearing Hitler with the pops and hisses he's <laughs> <laughs> better live you know <laughs> so that was though at the t- like a pretty good de- like wasn't the idea that he wanted workers to be able to buy the car that they were making yes so five dollars a day was like enough like a decent it was salary, a, right? it was a decent living wage yeah it yeah. was um, I mean if you go the I don't know how someone working on $5 a day could afford an $825 car, but I assume that like, well, the the Model T would drop in price each year. So it probably eventually got to the point where they could buy them. There's yeah. financing. There, there was not financing. Ford was very against financing until uh, huh. the Model A came out. Well, it's not his, up to him. Uh, it, he actually banned it in his dealerships. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was, he was, he was completely against financing. I don't know if his anti-Semitism maybe played a role in that oh, was like ah the money lenders a broader network mm, of, okay yeah, yeah. But, i mean it's going to take you over two years to be able to afford a model t yeah i mean it, it i mean he wasn't good at everything he like <laughs> he it was more of a concept yeah like uh, well the other car companies were doing financing but ford wasn't and he fought it tooth and nail until his son finally like pushed it through dead <laughs> um but that was that was yeah <laughs> that was later um but at oh, the time like etzel etzel yeah what a shitty Etzel's name. up to some mischief. Yeah. Etzel had a Etzel? <laughs> very unfortunate relationship with Henry, um, which I'll also get to. Um, but but um, back to how we arrived at the $5 wage. Yes. So the $5 wage, um, turnover was insane. And so they realized that if they instituted a $5 wage and some profit sharing, they could retain workers. Mm. Um, in order to get profit sharing, though, a worker had to stay there for six months, and they had to meet uh, specific social standards set down by Ford that included not heavily drinking or gambling and also not being a deadbeat dad. And they had like a whole wing of Ford that would look into people's personal lives to check up on this. Mm. Uh, it was... Which he discontinued after a few years, but... Like within the Ford factory, there was always a, a kind of Gestapo, which actually only got worse with Ford mm. as Ford got older. Um, with this guy Henry Bennett, uh, um, or Harry Bennett. Um, but up until that point, uh, they they instituted the five dollar workday, and then there were a lot of immigrants that were working in the factories, and so they did something even more insane, which is in order for these immigrants to uh, uh, get the five dollar pay. They had to go through uh, mandatory Americanization classes. Oh, really? Yeah, where they would just learn Fun. like different factors of like American life, and <laughs> then at uh, at the end of it, they would have their graduation ceremony, where the uh, the immigrants would jump into a big like wooden quote melting pot. You know, it's just this big bowl. And then uh, their instructor would hold a spoon and stir it around. And then when they jumped in, they would be wearing, quote, native garb. Wait. And. What? This is real? This is real. Okay. There's video of it. 
and video of it. Yeah. What? And yeah. then they would go out a door after the uh, instructor stirred the pot. They would go out of a door on the side, wearing a suit and holding an American oh, flag. Oh man! Oh, so they boy. would have to like put on the suit and tie the to yeah. Do in the, the pot. In yeah. The pot. Wow. Yeah. Man, so he was not only a mechanical engineer, but a social engineer. <laughs> yes, wow. he pioneered that, yeah. yeah. But this was early 20th century, uh, which is, from what I've heard from some historians, there was this trend of welfare capitalism. Sure, sure. Which it seems that Ford kind of fits in because, yeah. you know, they had, like, especially in the mining industry, like, very militant labor unions mm-hmm. because they were treated like shit, yeah. paid shit. Uh, and so they, you know, had a lot of like violent union drives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually the bosses started saying like, let's, you know, make it so they don't feel the need to do this, so, you know, and they would build yeah. like community planned communities for the workers. And some of them actually had very nice facilities and playgrounds and stuff mm-hmm. as a way of sort of, you know, uh, keeping people from thinking. How, yeah. Uh, yeah. This yeah. was, yeah, this was like Fordism definitely came out of the. Like, like one factor was labor militancy. This was sort of the capitalist answer to it. Right. They coalesced around after, you know, it worked so well with mass production with Ford. Yeah, and Ford hated unions. Right. Um, and uh, Ford, the Ford Motor Company was the last uh, auto company in Detroit to get unionized hmm. um, after some actually very bloody uh, battles. Uh, and... Whoa, whoa, whoa! How big are these bowls? I, I'm not going to move past this, this quickly. <laughs> yeah. How many as people? Big as you uh, would think. They were, how many people can be at the bowl at once? Four people, five people? It wasn't from the video I saw. They were maybe I would There's say about uh, twenty <laughs> feet in diameter, uh, maybe bowl. seven feet high. How do they make that bowl? It, probably it's just wood. like wood. With a door on it too? Yeah, there's a door on the side. Yeah, and they'd go in with the suits, and then they'd put them on. No, the uh, the no, suits were probably like they'd laid go out in dressed like, a, like I haven't seen inside the bowl. You haven't seen inside the bowl. <laughs> they Do go they, s- they go in like dressed like stereotypical Native American. Right. Yeah, like garb, okay. and then they come out with a suit. Now, how big are these flags? Are they like tiny hand flags? Or are they big flags? Um, they're like medium sized. Uh, I'd say I'm I'm holding my fingers up, and I'm realizing it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say corner big. to corner, about foot and a half. So wait, so would the, would the person stirring be like on a ladder? No, there'd be like a little platform at the lip of the bowl. Oh man, I am so like this is. <laughs> I don't care about Model T's anymore. All I care about is this fucking bowl action. Would there be cheese that would be melting over them? Like, like hot yeah. uh, no, that's cruelly used chocolate. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not bad. No, that's or champagne. Cool. Like champagne. <laughs> yeah, like the French. That's nuts. Yeah. That's insane. That's like, you know, we look at that and be like, huh, what a kitschy thing. But I feel like even then people are like, what the fuck are we doing? It's like, well, if you want to keep your job, yeah. fucking sing the song, buddy. Put the suit yeah. on. I mean, you when the they're lined, imagine being lined up. Like it's almost your turn to go. It's like this is all fucked up. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And then they dress you up in a suit, and you get to keep the suit, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's. Pro- I I would say there's probably a fifty fifty chance they had to buy the suit themselves. Okay. <laughs> but I I don't I can't say that for sure. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I gotta see this video. Keep doing it's, the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 um. And uh, along with that, he instituted the uh, five-day, 40-hour work week, uh, which, you know, a little bit of welfare capitalism, a little bit of he realized that uh, when his employees got leisure time, they were more productive when they were actually at the factory. Mm. Um, he was willing to go further. He wanted to roam around the workplace naked, you know, to, really? yeah, to jerk off and then let the rally the troops yeah, so yeah. they could see him. No, he jerked off. Um, he, he he ran the numbers in his head and would jerk off, you know, try to jerk off at least uh, uh, 700 different workers in an average day. Like when, when he was, was when he was a uh, machine, there'd be like a little. No, no, he'd use his hand. He was okay. he was a really hands on. OK. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he was like, we don't make things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, the American worker just doesn't make anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Um. So yeah, during this time, they uh, managed to get the number of Model Ts out to like a thousand a day. And uh, at first, he had a, a like medium-sized factory in Detroit, and then um, he opened up a massive factory in River Road. Mm-hmm. 
And while he was about to open that, all the investors tried to revolt. They were already pissed off about the um, $5 per day wage. Uh, and he essentially said that if they were going to stop him, he put his son in charge of uh, Ford Motor Company. But then it was just like, quote unquote, in charge. Like he was fairly cruel to his son. Uh, he would make his son work in the factory when he was young so that he would get like a real hands-on working man's experience. And then uh, when his son was in charge, he would undermine all of his son's decisions. Like at one point, his son realized that the um, administrative building for Ford was too cramped and small. So he uh, had the foundation dug for a new building. And then Henry Ford came in and said, uh, yeah, don't do that. You're not going to build that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Edsel Ford was like, OK, I'll have the hole filled in. And Henry was like, no, you're not going to fill the hole in. He And so he made the hole stay there so that Edsel had to walk by the empty oh, wow. hole every day on his way to work. Look, look at wow. what you did, Edsel. Yeah. yeah you're a waste of time, Edsel. <laughs> he also, uh, he, he, Edsel would, Edsel was like, you know, he, he, was, he was kind of a rich kid. And so he would party with all the other rich people in Detroit, right. which Henry Ford hated. And he also hated that Edsel drank. And so he considered Edsel an alcoholic. And he would go over to his house when he was out of town and uh, smash all of Edsel's liquor bottles with his cane. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Was Edsel, act, did he actually have a drinking problem or did he just and drink and no, he didn't like it? Yeah, he just, I, I think he just drank casually. He was never like a drunk. Um, he was, ultimately, Edsel, Edsel seems like kind of a, just sort of a well-intentioned, um, you know, kid born into privilege, but like who would never be happy mm. because his father tortured him his whole life. Um <laughs> Well, and he's a uh, misguided liberal. He yes, his father actually thought he was not built Ford tough. <laughs> uh, Henry Ford kept on thinking that he was uh, a weak. Um, okay. Well, the so, name like Edsel, you're kind of destined to be a weak one. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. He, he was screams, asking for it. Skinny arms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You a bitch, Edsel. <laughs> was he named after Edison in some way? I don't know. How do you spell it? E T Z E L? E D S E L. I got that way wrong. I thought it was E T S O L. Um, I was closer by one letter off, but not. I'm going to say you're both wrong. Oh, we are. We know. Um, and <laughs> we're admitting we're wrong. Yeah, but I'm going to be angry about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, around this time, like Ford had set up a whole network of uh, dealership franchises. And this is part of like getting the Model T popular. You know, he got, he had a bunch of, uh, he would support motorist clubs so that people would get familiar with driving and right, want to right. have their own car. And uh, at all of his dealerships, he also, at this time, he purchased a rather small newspaper called the Dearborn Independent. Right. From Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, there were a lot of articles that came out um, with his name in the byline. He didn't, he apparently didn't really write any of them, but he did definitely approve them and their message. And they were wildly anti-Semitic, um, blaming Jews for controlling um, the uh, government, the economy, uh, blaming Jews for starting World War One. He was actually a, um, he was a pacifist during World War One, and like Hitler, he blamed the Jews. Mm. And eventually, all of these articles were collected into one volume called the International Jew that was translated into German and released in Germany. And in Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler actually said on two occasions, he, he um, said that one of the great fighters for the working man was Henry Ford oh, wow. and his opposition to the Jews. And I might be skipping ahead a little bit, but weren't there Ford factories in Germany that got bombed during World War II and then he sued? Um, I don't remember if he sued, but yeah, there were factories in Cologne. And then what I was joking about earlier was that, yeah, some of them had slave labor. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure how he got around, you know, uh, having a factory that was run by an enemy. Um, maybe it was taken over by Germany. Sure, sure. Um, but I can't imagine that it was legal for Ford to be running a Ford plant in Nazi Germany while it was actively at war with sure, the United right, States. Right, right. Uh-huh. Um, I'm reading this uh, Jalopnik article about Henry Ford and the secret police that ruled his workers because apparently when he did the five dollar day yes. thing that yes. it, it doubled the income the average income because it was like two thirty four to five dollars mm -hmm. but 
to qualify for, for that, they had to be model citizens, according to Henry Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they the strings attached, yeah, if you mm-hmm. were like under a certain age, you had to be married and have kids, and you mm-hmm. had to keep your house and your place. I mean, he's building, you know, like an archaic like soldier society for his yes. working class, basically. So it's mm-hmm. more um, demonic and megalomania esque than than you would really consider. It's not he gave more money to the workers. It's no, he gave them opportunity to not be themselves. Hence why they'd go along with this fucking wooden bowl nonsense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, do you want do you want to starve or do you want to get in the bowl? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it's I mean, it's classic bait and switch. You know, you you at that time if you heard there's a job that pays double and you have to only do one thing, you'd be like, Fuck yeah, I'll sign up and then within a few weeks it's like, All right, if your bet sheets aren't done, you'll get fired. It's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, there's no asterisks at the bottom. <laughs> right, right, right. It just says five dollar wage. Yeah. Right. He also tried to uh, build this uh, plant in Brazil that came to be known as Fordlandia that was going to be a a rubber plantation Mm. um, based on kind of ironic sketches about, you know, local uh, idiosyncrasies. Uh, You know, I love Fordlandia on Spike TV. It's (laughs) a great show. Um, it was Envision the 1920s. It, it was it was run by uh, <laughs> Frederick Armisen the first. Yes, uh, yes, certainly. And so <laughs> it was it, it was kind of the height of Ford's uh, insane social engineering, where it was meant to be uh, a rubber plantation in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. He bought it from uh, Brazil, the government of Brazil, right. and it was to be based on american small town culture hmm. and so oh god yeah <laughs> oh boy and the there were a number of like uprisings of the people who worked there one of them was because it was in the kitchen because they all hated american, american food, food. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's easy to see very <laughs> yeah. quickly and uh eventually like it just became like such a mess that ford's uh grandson sold it back to brazil immediately once he took power yeah, yeah that makes sense at way less than it was worth because <laughs> it was just that such much a, of a lost thing is get, yeah. get rid of this fucking thing beans and rife no butter and bread <laughs> so uh oh yeah so the dearborn independent running all of its anti-semitic articles uh it was required that every ford dealership had to have the dearborn independent uh stocked and uh henry ford also published and had uh, through the Dearborn Independent and had stocked at all his dealerships the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Um, mm. You know, yeah, that that classic little book. And uh, I don't know that book. Would you explain it for our listeners? <laughs> well, you see, there's a um, global conspiracy of um, the Sons of David. And yeah, how does it deal with the four dimensional part? Because really, that's what, <laughs> what I really want to know. Because you know, with Zion, you really got to consider the universe of aspect of it. You know, well, you see, there are machines that um, have people in a simulated world. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, the people who escape that go to an underground city, and um, that is controlled by Jews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I'm pretty sure that's. Uh, um, and they uh, adapted this book in uh, a movie called. Uh, World War Z. (laughs) Sensei. All right. Sure. Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Mel Gibson should, (laughs) it will probably make a remake of the, or like an adaptation of the Elder Scrolls. (laughs) (laughs) At some point. It's going to murder in the box office too. (laughs) (laughs) You see, there's this all right crowd and they need movies. (laughs) I should make the the Passion of the Christ into a franchise. Everyone saw. Like Marvel. How the, the Joker hysteria was about the alt-right. They need movies, damn it. <laughs> they have nothing to watch. All right, we're going to greenlight Elders of Zion. I, 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 don't, I don't agree with it, but I mean, you raised a good point. The weirdest thing about the like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories is they they bend in so many different directions. They're just so incoherent yeah. because oh, yeah. like... I, at, what are you talking about, Anders? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're simultaneously. <laughs> well, they're simultaneously like the lords of finance and banking, yeah. and communist, you know, agitators. They're like the Bolsheviks and yeah. also Wall Street. Like it, does and they're it, simultaneously yeah. like naturally inferior and weak, but also world like world historically right, powerful. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was like the Nazi ideology was uh, part of it. Was that um, because this lower um, creature to them, that's, you know, they saw Jews as this lower creature that was able to control the world, 
through the protocol by using the protocols. And so they believed that, oh, well, if they could do it with the protocols, then us, the you know superior Aryans, we can implement that same kind of um, those same ideas and we can run the country and take over the world. Mm. And um, it turns out when you base your government on a czarist forgery, it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, eventually, uh, especially there, there, there are rumors. I haven't seen it confirmed, but um, Ford was a supporter of Hitler, possibly financially. And oh, really? Yeah. And you just um, bought him lunch a couple of times, Andy. Come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, well, didn't they have photos of each other that they would put on each other's desks? Oh, oh yeah, really? yeah. yeah. Uh, I know at least Hitler had a, a life-sized photo of Henry Ford. It in was his a life-size, like a cutout. It might have just. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All I read. Yeah. <laughs> he has a he has a full-body pillow. <laughs> He's doing the um, pointer finger thumb like right, right. <laughs> Cassandra Fairbanks white power symbol. Yeah. Who's the Fuhrer? You're the Fuhrer. <laughs> Yo, I'm a gay relationship, but eating between Ford and Hitler. That's what I'm calling right now. Yeah, it's all right. You his figured wife, it out. His wife who? Adolf and Henry. Listen, he only nutted his wife once. Where do you think the rest of the cum went? <laughs> he um. So once uh. All of all of this came out, and people became more aware of it, and especially with the rise of the Nazis. Right. Uh, he eventually relented and stopped printing the uh, Dearborn Independent and released an apology. Uh, and part of the apology was claiming that because all the articles were ghostwritten with him on the byline, that he never saw or knew oh. what was in the articles. <laughs> right, sure, yeah. Um, which was a blatant lie. And then also... Uh, the apology was also not written by Henry Ford <laughs> and his um, it was it, even the signature on the apology was forged by his head of security. The guy, Harry what? Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, I couldn't have written all of those articles. They were just goat written by me. I didn't even write the apology about this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he was still like a notorious anti-Semite, like all the way to the end. Sure. But now I guess we could probably start talking about his, his boy, Harry Bennett. Uh, basically, one of his executives was in New York, and um, he w- saw a street brawl. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, I guess, was such a the in the fight uh, was taken by the police. But then one of the executives was like, "No, he didn't start that fight. He he was just in it." And talked the police out of releasing him, and then brought him to meet Henry Ford. Oh, really? And Ford was so interested in the details of the street fight that he hired Henry Bennett to be his head of security. <laughs> wow. Um, who before that was just a boxer in the Navy. I, don't, I guess he he's referred to as a Navy boxer. Uh, I don't know if... I guess you get bored on the boats and you want to <laughs> well, punch they, each other. They, there, there was like a uh, Armed Forces Boxing League. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they, yeah, they, they're not like... They're not just boxing in the <laughs> army or navy, but it's like they, they have various jobs and they also box because you're right there aboard. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I bet I could fight you. Well, unless there's a league of people doing it, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so um, Henry Bennett was kind of the head of the uh, Ford factory Gestapo, mm-hmm. which was the people in the Ford factory started referring to it as a Gestapo. Mm-hmm. Uh, people weren't allowed to talk to each other while they were working. Uh, which Henry Bennett strictly enforced. Um, Henry Bennett also got closer to Ford than Ford's own son. Uh, Ford kind of considered him almost more of a son than um, than Edsel. And, yeah. In, in fact, after Edsel died, uh, Edsel died before Henry Ford died. Uh, Henry Ford was like, you know, was I, a, I, I, I feel like I was unfair, but was I cruel? And uh, apparently Henry said like, I mean, if you treated him me the way you treated him i would have gotten angry and apparently ford said that's what i wanted him to do get angry which you know kind of a uh great parenting yeah what an idiot it's it's like that guy at the end of 12 angry men who's just sobbing because he beat the shit out of his son and now he doesn't talk to him anymore like that kind of thing right, right. <laughs> um but parents just don't understand <laughs> <laughs> so henry bennett uh was just the tyrant of the Ford factory. If people were uh, meeting together in groups, they were suspected of union activity and would get fired, uh, possibly receiving a beating from Bennett's 
uh, yeah. cronies first. Yeah, Bennett is the fucking uh, mad dog to the billionaire madness that is Henry Ford. Because yes. billionaires are often very weak people and they need to hire literal generals and lieutenants of the armed force part of their league. Bill Gates had Steve Ballmer and Henry <laughs> Ford had Harry Bennett. You need a mad dog on your team. No, really, though. All of our billionaires, they've got That's a mad true. dog in the, this in is their crew. Enforcer. And yeah. Grub Stakers, I'm the mad dog, all right? <laughs> you fuck yeah. with us, I'll beat the shit out of you. Mad dog yogi. All right. Uh, Sean needs some kind of protection. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he will shatter. Yeah. He's gagged in the corner. Who do you think did that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was like that when the rest of us showed up. That's right. <laughs> so... Bennett would hire people from like local gangs as well as you know people other like boxers yeah, from the thugs. armed forces <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, at one point a newspaper Jay Z had Dame Dash I'm telling you all of them literally do it they have a guy <laughs> that takes care of their dirty work that's one step removed I'm sorry I cut you off Andy but like it literally happens every time it's one guy's like I think we should do some cool shit. And one guy is just a dedicated worker, right? <laughs> Steve Jobs has Wozniak, Bill Gates has Paul Allen, and they work pretty well for a while. But then the megalomaniac goes, I need more firepower that scares the fucking dedicated worker to always being loyal to me. So they bring in a fucking guy to fucking mad dog shit, right? In, in the Jay-Z case, he had his uh, idol uh, who gave him his moniker. But when Dame Dash comes in, that, that, that guy's gone. And then a Dame Dash fucking <laughs> beats the shit out of people. And Jay-Z goes up and raps. And people are like, Jay-Z's pretty cool and not violent. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, oh, I re- just remembered. I forgot to finish the uh, story about how, uh, so... Right, he's hiring thugs to be part of his Oh, but group. this is this before yeah. that, when um, he was building his second giant factory. Mm-hmm. And all the stockholders were like, stop it. He <laughs> he threatened to make his own car company and make cars for like $300 undercutting Ford while at the same time having his son run Ford Motor Company, but also undermining his son. And apparently this uh, freaked out investors so much that then he was able to convince them to sell all their shares and just did a big stock buyback so that he would have complete control over Ford. Nice. Um, anyway, so... Sounds kind of like modern day, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah when I, the when normal I, use like news cycle. Mm-hmm. When I came mm-hmm. across that, I was like, "Oh, it's a stock buyback." Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Except, like, uh, apparently, he was able by doing like all this bullshit, he was able to buy the stock at lower prices um, than it was probably worth. Um, and it, Ford was, by the way, the Ford Motor Company during Henry Ford's life was never uh, public. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't until um, uh, Henry Ford II took gotcha. over that it went public. I do want to give one anecdote, though, that I think is oh, interesting yeah, yeah. that I found. Apparently, so uh, when he was designing the engine, mm-hmm. um, he was working with Edison on this, and Edison was like, make this a gas-powered engine. Right. And Ford was like, cool, that's what I'm doing. But... He was very strongly considering doing it electric, and it oh. easily could have been electric. They, they could have said, like, yeah, let's give it, like, a few more years. Let's develop. Because they just, the reservation was, like, the battery wouldn't be strong enough. Right, right. Yeah, he said that it, w- it would be way too heavy. Right. If But if they had tried to, like, innovate with that, then, you know, climate change would <laughs> right, right, be right. completely different. Yeah. yeah. So. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So during the 1930s, then there was a um, during the Great Depression, there was a massive uh, union drive, mm-hmm. and the UAW managed to unionize all the other uh, major automobile companies in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they couldn't break through at Ford, and part of it was because of uh, Harry Bennett. And apparently, there was a um, uh, a newspaper interview where the journalist asked him. So if Henry Ford asked you to block out the sun tomorrow, right. would you be able to do it? And he was like, well, I'm not sure if I could manage that, but I'll promise you this. Everyone at the Ford factory would come in wearing dark glasses. <laughs> 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 so that was his, his level of control. Um, there were multiple instances. Uh, one of them was uh, in 1937, uh, this fight called the Battle of the Overpass, where UAW leaders would hand out um, union literature, and 
it led to about 40 of Bennett's men come like charging them and beating them with clubs, kicking them downstairs. Really? Yeah. And then um, shattering uh, the, the UAW guys brought journalists and the union thugs shattered the journalists photographic plates. <laughs> and there managed to be photos that uh, got out because like one journalist uh, hid the plates under the backseat of his car. Oh yeah, sure. And then when the, um, kind of the Bennett thugs surrounded his car. He was like, here are the pictures, and then took some empty plates from his front seat and handed it to him. And after that, Ford became very unpopular. Yeah. And he even threatened to, like, destroy his company before letting it unionize. Wow. And the own, and at that point, his wife threatened to divorce him if he didn't allow a union. Um, and the whole time, Edsel was, by the way, like, saying, let's just give in and sign the union right, contract. Right. Um because they were the last company to do it, so everyone else had it at that point, huh? Yeah, yeah. And and finally, he relented and actually uh, signed a contract with more favorable union terms mm-hmm. um, than the other companies. And uh, when one of the union guys asked why, uh, Henry Ford said, well, uh, I'm trying to fight Chrysler and GM, and now we can fight them together. Yeah, yeah. And so, damn, it was just another, like, a more shrewd business yep. move, just like the $5 work right. day. However you want to justify it to yourself. Right, this exactly. This union win. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, there was also another fight where uh, guns were involved and four people got killed. Uh, that was earlier in the 30s. Um, they were just doing Russian roulette for fun. I mean, they were just hanging <laughs> out, you know, bored, hanging out at a factory, can't talk to each other, but gun yeah. to your head and you can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, uh, for the Ford company almost went under during the great depression, but then they were saved by some, uh, military contracts. They were able to make some bombers hmm. and, uh, eventually uh, during the forties, Edsel Ford, uh, started getting stomach ulcers. Those turned out to be, uh, from stress, but then yeah. it turned out to be stomach cancer and also from stress. <laughs> Yeah, and Henry Ford refused to believe he was sick. He thought he was just Faking weak. it, wow. Yeah, up until the day that he died. What? God. Yeah. And then uh, Henry Ford himself died in uh, 1947, and someone... Re- uh, one person said, I don't know how true this is, that like he'd had a few minor strokes before that, mm-hmm. but apparently uh, the last one was after he was shown uh, video footage from the concentration camps and like the Nazi atrocities that he had helped push. Right. Right. And just the shock of that kind of sent him into the grave. I don't know how true that is. Huh. It sounds kind of a yeah, It sounds a little bit, uh, fabulistic. Yeah. This man that believed in this Nazi vision had yeah. a turn of heart right before he died. He had died coming in his pants. <laughs> Look at the efficiency. No, he didn't come. That's how he got his power. He came <laughs> once. That's, a sin, That's right. So. right and right. he immediately regretted it. Right. He was no fab club. Yeah. So, and that is the tale of Henry Ford. Da 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 da. Built Ford tough. <laughs> and with that, this has been Grubstakers. I'm Yogi Polywall. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Steve Jeffries. Anders Lee. Here. Wait, do you have any plugs, Anders? Yeah, follow me at Andersley here on Twitter. Pod Damn America is my podcast. I'm also on RT's Redacted Tonight. If you want to check that out on YouTube. He's fantastic. Check him out everywhere. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having thank me, guys. You. Thanks. Well, we've had a nice time tonight, haven't we? Hi. Uh, Mr. Edison enjoyed it. Looking fine. Yes, indeed. I'm surprised at the great development of radio. Oh my, it's uh, what we've seen here, and uh, we also uh, can be thankful and appreciate the development Mr. Edison's made in the uh, clear tone and uh, helping music, uh, better quality of music in the radio that he's manufacturing. So, oh, this is a great industry. You think the, uh, this great development we can have uh, further development, the opportunities for young men? Oh, uh, today is the word. A few years ago? I think so. Yes, indeed. If the young man makes up his mind to work, there's no limit to what he can do. If he makes up his mind to go at it without the idea of work, uh, he has much chance. He must study and work. He must go back in any art as far as he can to dig up the very beginning. And he must, the more he goes back, the further he will be able to see ahead. 
Well, uh, do you think Mr. Edison feels, uh, how does he feel about the uh, chances for young men today? Well, I'll ask him. He's right here. Answer that question now. No? Well, there's more open into the other one. There's more into the invention and discovery to go on forever. There's more chance for a young man to stay in the other one, where all the large industries are terribly short of high grade men. They can, they can uh, get almost any cellar they want. There's, there's such an open shortage. The evolved supply of demand is worth the time. I think that's right. Yeah. I think, I think he's, he, I think he's, he's yeah. dead right about it. Yeah. We can just get better men. We can make better developments. And uh, you said that they will just get down and work. Yeah. And, and study. Study. And as Mr. Edison has said a good many times, uh, no uh, extremity of man won't go to avoid the real labor of things. And if we could get that out of our system, why we'd have to get her. Or in other words, get him in the habit of working. Yeah, that's right.